Sweet Holy Spirit of the Living God, we need you now more than ever. We are hungry and thirsting after you. In fact, we are desperate for you. Speak to us until your word initiates transformation, a paradigm shift, a new creation on the inside. Be glorified and magnified in this place. And this we have prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. All over the world, believers are facing a theological, philosophical, and moral dilemma. And it comes from our struggle to reconcile the nature of God with the state of the world. We struggle to reconcile the nature of God, what we know about God, with the state of the world. And the question that we ask, sometimes consciously, but certainly subconsciously, and the question we encounter when we are witnessing and sharing our faith, is how is it that an almighty Everywhere present and all-knowing God who loves us, cares for us, can allow evil to exist, to persist, and even to prevail in the world. How does God who can do anything allow people to die of hunger? God who loves us, how does he permit the outbreak of civil war? War, violence, aggression. Why does extreme poverty exist anywhere in the world if God is everywhere present, loves us, and has the power to do anything? Whether we are asking the question consciously or subconsciously, it is on our minds somewhere. And how many of you have attempted to share your faith with someone who said to you, if God is that good, why is my life so bad? We struggle to reconcile the revealed nature of God with the state of the world. I want to tell you that that struggle ends today. Today we're going to understand why it is that a good God who is almighty, who is sovereign, who is everywhere present and knows everything, can allow evil to exist, persist, and in some cases to prevail in various parts of the world. It is because the earth is man's domain. I'll say that again. The earth is man's domain. 
There should be no doubt about that because in the Genesis chapter 1, the very earliest chapter of the Bible, God created man in his own image after his own likeness and then gave him dominion over the earth. Over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, everything that creeps on the earth. When God gave man dominion, he made the earth man's domain. Mm -hmm. Which explains why the world doesn't look like it's under the leadership, management, or governance of a good, loving, kind, all-powerful God. It actually looks like it's under the governance of man, people. I want to give you a little example to perhaps help us come on board with this. Many years ago, I, I bought a brand new car. Everyone say brand new. And it, it, it had never been used. In fact, the miles on the clock were the mandatory test miles that the manufacturer was obliged to road test the car. And I think it was something like eight miles on the clock. So it was a brand new car. And when the car was delivered to my home, it was delivered on a truck. And they rolled the car down the truck and gave me the keys. Now I'm going to tell you, I took a while, I walked around the car, it was pristine. It was in mint condition. It was everything I had dreamed and more. And we could tell the bishop likes cars. You see my face lighting up, right? <laughs> everything I could dream of and more. And then when I opened the door and got in, the leather, the smell of the leather was intoxicating. The leather just came out at you and grabbed you. Everything inside the car was in mint condition, it was absolutely pristine. I loved it. Six months later, and certainly a year later, didn't quite look the way I received it. Wasn't quite as shiny. And the intoxicating smell of the leather had somewhat disappeared and had been replaced by unusual fragrances. A little bit of KFC was in there. Y'all know what I mean by KFC, right? A little bit of McDonald's was in there. And things just weren't as pristine as they were because it was now a used car. See, when it was delivered to me, it reflected the excellence, the brilliance of the manufacturer. But after it was in my possession for a little while, it began to reflect the management that it was under. And can I be honest with you? I wasn't very good. And you could see it in the state of the car. There is no way I could have sold it for the price I paid for it. Because it no longer represented, it no longer 
displayed the excellency, the precision, the class, the quality that the manufacturer invested into it. And so when we think about God giving man dominion, it simply means that he put the earth under human government, under human management, which means that it ceased to reflect the government of God, the leadership of God, the nature of God, and now begin to reflect the brokenness of man. This is making sense? Some believers get the will of God a little bit confused. And if this is you, if the cap fits, just say praise God or ouch. One of the two. We think that God's will is always going to be done, no matter what. And we kind of see this in, uh, in our general approach to life. Say, so, yeah, I'm going to apply for this job, and if, God, if it's God's will, I'll get it. Have you heard anything like that? I'm, I'm, I'm going to embark on the project, and if it's the will of God, it will work. We have the idea that if something is the will of God, it's simply going to happen. But Jesus would not instruct us to pray daily, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, if the will of God was going to be done on earth anyway. If the will of God was going to be done anyway, why am I praying for it to be done? The truth of the matter is that the will of God is not always done on earth like it is in heaven. When you see poverty, that is not the will of God. When you see, when you see war, that is not the will of God. When you see violence, that's not the will of God. Sickness and disease are not the will of God. Clearly, the will of God is not being done on earth as it is in heaven. And the reason is that heaven is God's domain and the earth is man's domain. The will of God is not always done on earth as it is in heaven. And here's why. Another little example. Don't worry, I never preach a long sermon. It's my introduction that takes all the time. <laughs> the sermon's usually five minutes. The introduction is the rest. God has retained the freehold on planet earth whilst giving to man a leasehold. God has retained the freehold, which is why he can say the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. God owns the freehold on planet earth. It is absolutely his property. But when he gave dominion to man, he gave man an earth lease. And when it comes to any good lease, there are terms and conditions, there are rights and privileges, there there is typically a term on the lease so that the lease will eventually expire. And when the lease expires, the property goes back to the freeholder. 
What we call the signs of the times or the end times or the end is never the end of the world or the end of time. It is the end of a time, which is the time of man's earth lease. Which is why when you start seeing signs of the times, they are a cause for rejoicing on one hand, because what they're saying is that man's dominion over the earth, man's earth lease is expiring and the freeholder is about to repossess the property. Now under the terms of any good lease, listen carefully, under the terms of any good lease, the freeholder can not, everyone say cannot, cannot enter the property without the invitation or permission of the leaseholder. Under the terms of any good lease, if you are a leaseholder, you are not supposed to come home, open the front door, walk in, and find the freeholder sitting on the couch drinking a cup of coffee saying, I've been waiting for you. That, is, that breaches the terms of the lease and doesn't allow you to live in peace in the property. So certainly uh, in the UK and the way you're nodding, I'm sure it's the case here, you have certain rights under a leasehold and you have, you have management of that property to where even the freeholder has to ask your permission before they can come in. And if you need that freeholder to fix something in the house, you have to give them an invitation, you have to give them permission, they simply cannot come in because that property is your domain for the period of the lease. Am I making some sense here today? Which is why God cannot come into this world without the invitation, instigation, permission, and license of a human being. God will never simply walk into your world uninvited. He will never kick down the door. Woo. He'll never kick down the door. Instead, he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and I'll sup with him and I'll dine with him. But a man must open the door. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Ooh. Someone has to lift up the gate. Someone has to open the door. Without an invitation, the instigation of a human being, God himself will not violate the terms of man's leasehold or his dominion over the earth. So that when you look at suffering and misery in the world, you are not looking at the will of God. You are looking at the will of men. You are not seeing the government of God, you are seeing the government of men. 
and there will be no divine in intervention outside of a human being initiating it, instigating it, permitting it, and licensing it, which is why it, when God could find no one, he became a man to legitimize his own intervention into human affairs. Why didn't he just come here as God in all his glory? No, because he will not violate the terms of the earth lease. He must become a man in order to legitimize a divine intervention. Can I tell you that no spiritual entity has legitimacy on planet earth outside of the invitation, instigation, licensing, and permissioning of human beings because this is our domain. An evil spirit cannot operate in the earth without the cooperation of a human being. <laughs> which makes us a lot more powerful than we think we are a lot more powerful than we know we are I want you to look at your neighbor and say you are much more powerful than you think you are yeah because we have the power to initiate divine interventions we have the power to open doors to to God to angels we have that Power and and I just want to I feel like I need to break it down some more now I never preach a long sermon it's the introduction that takes all the time but just permit me there's some learning in the introduction right have you ever heard a song that said open the floodgates of heaven let it rain y'all heard that song you maybe never heard it like that but you heard the song right So where does rain come from? I know what you're saying. It comes from the sky. It comes from heaven. No, it doesn't. It falls from the sky, but it comes from the earth. I wish I had some help up in here. The things that fall from the sky start in the earth and sometimes we are looking for something to fall from the sky without realizing that we have the power to make it rain by sending up from the earth what we need to fall down from the heaven i wish i had some help in here somebody shout amen now watch this very carefully Jacob fell asleep at Bethel rested his head on a rock had a dream in his dream he saw ladder Jacob's ladder but I want you to notice that the ladder went from earth to heaven from where to heaven then he saw angels Watch this now. Ascending, then descending. Not descending and then ascending, but going up. And
and then coming down. Are you hearing me today? We have the power to send something up so that something may come down because nothing is going to happen in our domain without our invitation, without our instigation, without our permission, without our license. That's why Jesus said, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven you start it right here in the earth then it will manifest in the heavens because this is our domain it doesn't look like God anymore it looks like us now like my car didn't look like BMW anymore. It looked like BWM. Some of you got that. Some of you didn't get that. <laughs> when I got it, it looked like BMW. After a year, it looked like Bishop Wayne Malcolm. And when we got this world, it was glorious. But after it was under our management, it began to look like us. It began to reflect us. It began to reflect our brokenness and our fallenness. And when you see suffering in the world, you are not seeing the nature of God. You are seeing the nature of man. And we wonder why God, who is so loving and so powerful, will not simply step in, kick down the door, and make everything right. It's because he has made your will sovereign in this domain. Your will is sovereign in this domain. And until you and I invite God... And and permit him and give him license he cannot and will not come in and so he is trying to get us to realize the power that we have to make spiritual differences in the world today can I hear an amen from somebody Malachi 4 Malachi 4 verses 1 and 2 if it comes on the screen, great. If not, you get my paraphrase. The Malcolm paraphrase edition. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings and you shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. Woo! So a day is coming that's going to burn up people that are proud and who do wickedly. That's, that's quite deep actually. Doing wicked and being proud. It sounds like religious people to me. A day is coming that's going to burn up religious people, people that do wickedly and are proud. And, uh, but he says, but unto you that fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise. Everyone say the son of righteousness. All right. So that's the S-U-N of righteousness, not the S-O-N of righteousness, but the S-U-N of righteousness.
is going to arise. What do we call it when the sun is rising? We call that daybreak. We call that the dawn of a new day. He is prophesying a new day. He's predicting a new day. And this is the last chapter of the last book of the Old Testament prophesying of a new day of the sun rising unto you that fear my name shall the sun of righteousness arise. Please notice with me carefully that the that the subject is not the son. The subject here is a person who is righteousness. For we are told that we are told that the son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. In fact, if you if you read it in the Hebrew, it is not the it 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 doesn't come out the son of righteousness. It comes out righteousness like the son. So unto you that fear my name shall righteousness like the sun arise with healing in his wings. And his wings are not referring to, to uh, you know, feathers on his back. But his wings, it's the Hebrew uh, kanaf, which literally means the, the uh, border or the fringe of the garment or the hem of the garment. So that righteousness will arise like the sun son and there will be healing in the hem of his garment and if you think you already know his name would you shout his name Jesus is righteousness and like the sun he arose which meant that he was the dawn of a new day so a new day has come upon us say we're in a new day right now yeah, we're in a look at your neighbor say a new day has dawned upon us. Christ like the sun arose and the morning broke and a new day fell upon humanity and he said I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. In other words, uh, he said, well, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Which meant that while Jesus was here, while he was physically here, it was daytime, it was sunshine, it was the sun of righteousness, and there was healing in the hem of his garment. There was healing in his words, healing in his touch, and healing in the very fringes the borders of his garment and he was the sun but then he said the night cometh the night is coming what does it mean as long as i'm in the world i'm the light of the world the night is coming which means i'm going to physically go when i physically go when i physically leave here it will be nighttime i used to think that was horrible i used to read that and think oh that's really bad that the nighttime is coming who wants the nighttime well until i realize that the nighttime represents rest and it represents the cessation of labor in other words there's going to come you know when i physically leave here you you are going to rest from your works you are no longer going to have to work for righteousness because the new day of righteousness is here you're going to cease from your labor you're going to rest the night comes when no man can and no man should work you won't be working for salvation in the nighttime are you with me but when the sun has gone and the night is here. God ordained a lesser light. Woo. A lesser light. It's called the moon. Everyone say the moon. 
and the lesser light was given to rule the night the sun to rule the day and the lesser light the moon to rule the night what I love about the moon is that I more see myself in that moon I, I, I do because you see the moon is not on fire that's right. The moon is shining, but it is not on fire. Its source is the sun. Whenever the moon is shining, it is shining as the direct result of a relationship with the sun. And when you see the moon in its fullness and its brilliance, it is simply bearing witness to the presence of the sun. And when the moon is shining bright, it cannot take the credit for itself or by itself. The moon knows that the source of my brightness is the brightness of the sun. Come on somebody, the moon then represents the church of the living God because we know that our brightness is the brightness of him who has shined upon us. We know that our brilliance is the brilliance of him who has shined upon us. We know that at best we are reflecting his glory. That's what we're doing. We're reflecting his glory. And can I be honest with you? Can I admit with you? Can we be honest with each other and admit that we're not always a full moon? Because sometimes a little bit of earth gets in between us and the sun. Things get between us and the sun and we become a half moon. Come on now, look at your neighbor say, I hope that's not you. Sometimes things get between us us and, and, and interfere with our relationship and we become a crescent moon. And at other times, a total lunar eclipse, you can't even see any light shining out of yourself, let alone somebody else seeing it shining out of you. But listen to me very carefully. Just stay right where you are and just keep on keeping on because it won't be long before you get back into relationship with the sun and you'll begin to shine again. You don't have to go anywhere just because your light has gone out for a season it's gonna come back and you're gonna shine again look at your neighbor say neighbor you're gonna shine again because the source of our brightness is the relationship that we have with the Sun I'm going somewhere and I'm almost there almost starting the sermon watch this we must not confuse the mission of the moon with the method of the moon. The method of the moon is to shine, to reflect the glory of the sun. But the mission of the moon is to rule the night. God made two great lights, one to rule the day and the other to rule the night. We are here to rule the night, to restore the original intention of God for this planet. Are you ready? Can I tell you in a nutshell what God's intention, his original intention, and another word for original intent is purpose. God's purpose for this planet is very simple. His purpose is to make the earth a colony of heaven that is ruled by people who are ruled by God.
That was the intention from day one, that the earth would be an extension of heaven, a colony of heaven. I think we all know what a colony is, right? All right, we've all experienced colonial uh, rule, right? And we know that with, a, with colonial rule, the culture, the language, the systems, the laws, they all uh, are imposed upon another territory until the culture of that territory reflects the culture of the colonizer. God's plan was to make earth a colony of heaven so that it looks like heaven sounds like heaven the language the systems the culture the values of heaven would be present on earth and that earth would be ruled by the people who are ruled by God we see that in Genesis so clearly because you see God made everything for Adam everything for Adam but he made Adam for himself everything for Adam but Adam for himself God did not make the mountains and the valleys and the rivers for himself he made them for Adam it's your domain I made all this for you this is your stuff but you are mine and 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 so long as I can have you you can have all of this because his plan was never to exercise direct rule on planet earth his plan was to rule the heart of the people who were ruling the world Woo! hallelujah going somewhere today that's his original intention so as the moon we are here to rule the night we are here to we are here to manifest God's intention God's purpose his intention actually here's what we're doing here's what we're doing right here in Port Harcourt here's what we're doing we're we're colonizing the port for heaven's glory we are bringing the light of heaven we are bringing the the culture of heaven we are bringing the atmosphere of heaven we are bringing the language of heaven we are bringing the systems of heaven we are bringing the nature of heaven right here into this region and we are the only ones who can do it because this is our domain it's not that God's going to do it for us we are going to do it we're going to take the culture the values the systems we're going to take the language the atmosphere of heaven and we're going to implement it right Right here in the earth because this is our domain it's like BMW saying to me now Bishop listen this thing can look just like it did in the beginning but you're gonna have to clean it now you're gonna have to vacuum it now you're gonna have to keep it fresh now you're gonna have to you're gonna have to go to work on it we're not gonna do it for you you're gonna have to do it we'll give you instruction we'll give you guidance but you're gonna do it you're gonna change your world I'm going somewhere today this is important because way too many of us are waiting for God to change the world praying for God to change the world isn't that right that's what we do we see suffering we see evil we see desperation and we get on our knees and say God change the world God do something God do something as if God is gonna do something outside of an instrument of intervention which is a person he's not gonna do it outside of a person if you ask God to do something he'll raise up a person who is Abraham who is who is Joseph who is Moses? Moses. They are instruments of divine intervention. And if we want God to intervene, he's going to do it through us. Everyone say us. 
Say, we change the world. By the anointing of his grace, we change the world. I'm, I'm almost where I'm going. Praise God. And I, I want you to promise me that when I get there, you will not break the chandeliers. Do not break anything in the building. But I've got a feeling that some of you are about to get really excited right now. Because see, here, here's, here's what I've been trying to say for the last few minutes. I've been trying to say that we have more of a say in the direction of our nations than we care to admit. We like to think because of our tendency to abdicate responsibility that maybe God will do something apart from us. Maybe he will do something without us. Maybe he'll do something beyond us. Whereas the fact is he only ever intended to do something in us and with us and through us and by us because this is a colony of heaven under the government of people who are under the government of God and remember that the character of a kingdom emanates from the character of its king so that the realm always reflects the ruler and all God wants is you in charge. You see, because he has your heart, he wants you to have more money. I wish I had some help in here today. Because God has your heart, he wants you to have more influence in this city. Because God has your heart, he wants you to own the biggest business and become the biggest employer and to break the back of poverty. He's not gonna come down from heaven and break the back of poverty. He's gonna raise you up and give you an innovation that brings employment into the region because he only ever wanted to be the king of your heart but he wanted you to be the king of your world which is what makes him the king of kings Come on now, the Bible said he has made us to be kings and priests in the earth. He only ever wanted to be the king of your heart. He wanted you to be the king of a domain in this world. Have dominion means find your domain. And when you find your domain, develop it, defend it. Come on somebody, protect it. When you find Find your domain dominated. I don't know what your domain is. It may be in government. It may be in business and finance. It may be in arts, education, culture, entertainment. It's your domain. Once you find your domain, dominate it. Because all God wants is to be king of your heart. He's more than happy. He's, he's elated if your empire grows because he's the emperor of your heart. And if he is the emperor of your heart, then de facto, he has control of everything that you have control of. Now we're going to make this really crazy up in here for just a moment. You see, uh, we are asking God to do things for us as though God has a stash of cash in a warehouse somewhere that he's somehow going to give to us. Can I tell you that if God has your heart, he has your cash. And if the devil has your heart, the devil has your cash. Therefore, God has as much cash 
as he has hearts of people that have cash. Y'all ain't going to help now. <laughs> it's a hard one, isn't it? And the devil has as much cash as he has the hearts of the people that have cash. So God is very clear. I want you to have cash because if you have cash, I have cash and I can disperse and dispense and distribute that cash because I have your heart. You see, God has as much power in this world as you do. Oh, y'all ain't going to help now. I know you're struggling with this, but don't worry. I'm going to help you out. Okay. Cause I, I don't break the chandeliers when I help you out. God has as much influence in the city as you do. That's why the city looks, looks, looks like problems. You know, pastor come to see me last night. He said, well, we got some problems in this state here, Bishop. We got some challenges in the state. And I thought, I understand that. That's the same all over the world. We got challenges in the state and we're wondering where is the influence of God? Where is the power of God? God has as much influence in the state as believers do. And if believers have no influence in the state, you won't see God in the state. You look all through the state, you can't see God at work in the state. All you see is the devil at work in the state because there are no believers that have power, that have influence in that particular region. So the whole plan was, the whole plan was to give you dominion and God keep your heart. So now, now promise you're not going to hurt anyone. As, I, as we drop these last few bombs. Are you ready? Lord, even the devils were subject to us through your name. <sighs> Rejoice not that the devils were subject to you through my name. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. That doesn't mean rejoice that when you die, you're going to heaven. Because it's a legal term that, and I'm going to join you in a minute. I like you. It's a legal term whereby any professional that is qualified, whether in law or medicine or engineering, your name has to be entered into a register which gives you license and approval from a governing board. In other words, when they said, Jesus, we're excited about your name. Jesus said, you need to be more excited about your name. Glory to God. You see, because we, you see, we can get so excited about his name and shout about his name and our city goes to hell while we are shouting about his name. But the day you get excited about your name, the fact that your name is written in a register that gives you license and authority to operate as the agent of God in this world, that you have been approved by heaven to operate in this realm. You've been listening to a live sermon at ICANN Community Church. We hope that you feel inspired, informed, and empowered to take your life to the next level. We want to build a relationship with you, whether you attend ICC or not. Of course, we would love for you to visit or even to join. 
and if that's not possible, we can still stay in touch. Go to our website at www.icancommunitychurch.com and subscribe to our mailing list for updates on special events which may be coming to an area near you. Until next time, this is Bishop Wayne Malcolm saying God bless you.